the latest news first. Every day it's something new. They say what you wish you could say. It's the Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers. Talk 94.5. Nine thirty-seven on the Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers. This is going to be a really cool interview. Greg Rabideau is here, um, author of The Insatiable Dragon, How China Took Control of Hollywood, A Cautionary Tale for the Rest of Us. Greg is a teacher of film over at CCU, recently moved here, and uh, welcome him to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much, Liz. Great to be here. And I also thank Dr. Mara, who uh, is your beautiful wife. She's from Spain, and she's the one who reached out to me. Uh, She's a teacher over at HGTC. And we just had Casey King leave here. He's a physics teacher over there. And you're a Spanish teacher, right? So very cool. Welcome, both of you. Um, so, Greg, tell me a little bit about yourself. So you're a filmmaker and, and you have a couple of, well, you have one documentary that people can see now, one in the works. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So we made a film, documentary film, Stolen Babies of Spain. It was about a three, four year production. Wow. We went over there, lots of interviews, lots of research. Um, and then we released it in 2019, Stolen Babies of Spain. And then uh, the great part, I mean, part of getting the story out is also it's done really well in festivals. So it's won Best Feature Documentary, Best Director, Best Top Indie of the wow. Year. Um, Tokyo, Hollywood, New York City, Berlin, Venice, all kinds of places. Um, so it really helps get the word out. And essentially, it's about babies that are stolen at birth in Spain and have been for decades and then sold to other families. The mothers are told it's deception. They're told, well, your baby died or something happened and we're so sad. But, you know, in some cases, Liz, they even, uh, the church uh, officials or nuns or nurses would give little boxes with uh, filled and, and closed and say, you know, go ahead, bury this. Wow. And of course, it was just filled with sand, part of the whole deception. Why and were so, they stealing these babies? Like, yeah. why... Why? Yeah, so originally it was part almost um, part punishment and part almost a Nazi style way at trying to exterminate what they called the red gene. In other words, they had this belief that, well, if you are not a supporter of Franco, who was the dictator for decades in Spain after the Civil War, there must be something wrong with you. So you might have this red, meaning communist, gene in you. So part of it was this real, almost bizarre way to control genetics and Mm -hmm. steal babies and then have them brought up with proper families so to completely wipe out all opposition to Franco. But around late 50s, when Spain kind of started to open the door a little with trade with the U.S. and come out of their self-imposed isolation, uh, it moved to something more nefarious. And uh, unfortunately, that we still see, which is basically a sex trafficking criminal network for profit. And you had doctors and nurses and government officials and lots of people involved. And the church very much involved. Uh, They saw it as a way almost to regain their footing in Spain, which Mm -hmm. had been lost for a while, regain their power, and regain their control over who essentially gets to have babies and raise. And these babies are smuggled uh, really all over the world. Um, We've had cases... In the film, Stolen Babies of Spain, we had cases where they were uh, smuggled to Puerto Rico, uh, to different Mm. parts of the U.S., Florida, New Mexico, Texas, California. And in the film, we we talked to some of those folks as well. Wow. 
Is this a dirty little open secret about the history and that the Catholic Church's involvement in this there? I love how you put it. Yeah. <laughs> dirty, open, and and still trying to get a secret keep it as a secret, Liz, because um in Spain it is still nearly impossible to get actual prosecution for these crimes. And think about it this way. You've had uh, over 300,000 babies Mm -hmm. over the decades, and there's only been one case actually brought to court, one gynecologist. At the time, he was in his 80s. We were filming there. Mm -hmm. We were at the court when he went through his trial. And he ends up getting convicted on a related fraudulent adoption charge and but never does time and um he ends up dying in with his family in the lap of luxury and mm. you still have thousands of people searching for their own family wow. because they're just put aside uh spain mm. officials don't really want to deal with it there's a lot of stories in the world like this uh greg and we're speaking with greg rabido uh the author of the insatiable dragon that what, how does something like this land on your radar where you're like, hmm, mm-hmm. I really need to uncover this? Yeah, that's a great question. And for us, part of it was my wife, Mara, as as you introduced earlier, she's from Spain. So she had heard some stories even growing up. But when you said secret, I mean, it's even a secret there to many people. For mm-hmm. decades, uh, some people that were stolen or found out they were fraudulently adopted or wanted to know their parents, didn't realize that there were lots of other people like them. Mm. And so... How many do you think? Well, our conservative estimates, well over 300,000. What? Yeah. And you're talking... Oh, uh, uh, that's a big chunk. Over of, how many years? Over about five, six decades. Wow. Yeah. So this was going on in the 80s and 90s? Yeah, we had cases in the 1980s. We have, we've had cases in the uh, early 1990s, mid-1990s. Because, like I said, see, it went from this political punishment, uh, sort of master cleansing, race like style. Like a cleansing into, of the communism gene. Into profit-making. Jeez. Where so many things seem to always end up, don't so they? Profit making, criminal network, everybody's the pain in on those it. mothers went through. I can't even imagine it. And at the hands of people that you would you you're grown up to trust. Yes, and in the Spain, betrayal is very much the betrayal, as you say. And in Spain, wow. uh, the church for so long is just revered and worshipped, and mm. the uniform is worshipped. So when people say, "Well, why didn't they question? Why didn't they?" Well, they weren't suspicious because they never felt or believed they had any reason to question. Mm -hmm. But once these cases started to happen and a little bit of media started to focus on it, Mm -hmm. then people started to realize, wait a minute, that sounds a lot like exactly what Mm. was told to me. I went through that same process. And then it happens a lot, doesn't it? It happens a lot. And our Mm -hmm. film was able to put a lot of this together and... Uh, it's gotten, like I said, a lot of airplay, a lot of so, uh, awards, but needs to keep getting the word out. Greg, I mean, I have to say, I, I've been, I've grown up in the Catholic Church. My mother's from Italy. Um, she grew up with a disdain for the Catholic Church because of the way it, the Monsignor in her town mm-hmm. acted and the nuns there. Um, I grew up with a different, I don't know why she grew me up, but I just had my own sense of loyalty to the Catholic Church. But, you know, then the whole, um, you know, the sex abuse scandal, and that goes on in all churches. But I, I didn't, 
you know, it was a real issue for me. Um, and I, I haven't recovered from that, you know, and I'm still very angry. Is are, are you of the Catholic faith? Yes. So I was brought up Catholic. I was I was first communion, confirmation. Yeah. And then when I started to get into more school and I started to learn a little bit, I, I did start to question things. But not not your relationship with God and no, Jesus. No, no, no. It has no, nothing no, no. to do with that. It's all man-made, be believe me. It's the man-made mm-hmm. part. It's the it's the bureaucracy. It's the clericalism part of it, which, as the Pope Francis has said, well, he's against clericalism, this idea that priests uh, take it upon themselves to essentially set policy and that they are above anyone. Well— Ideally, right? No one's above anything except mm-hmm. Christ. Right. Now, the problem is, and to, to go one step further, is we're, we're working on a documentary film right now. We did footage over the summer in Spain, Rome, and the Vatican City. Oh, boy. And I, yeah, oh, boy is right. And because we're in post-production now, but the story is about a group of people uh-huh. that as adults, they they part serendipity, part chance, part just investigation, all found out that they were born at the same, we'll call it nursery in Spain, but it's a Casa Cuna in Valencia, same place, roughly at the same time, and they were all stolen. So for years, they've been meeting together once each year and kind of having a little lunch and get together, you know, hoping, praying, talking, kind of a support system. But one person who's also a lawyer who's also brought cases uh, first ever to the United Nations and the European Parliament, Stolen Babies. He's trying and been on a quest to try to get the Vatican to open up records, to open up archives, to work with Spain like the Pope Francis, current Pope, has done in his native home of Argentina. Uh, which for this reason? For the same babies? reason. Yep, in Argentina. All right. But um, letters go unanswered. Books go ignored that he's written. Uh, We have footage of him handing Pope Francis a book, Mm -hmm. Pope Francis opening it, asking questions, saying he'll read it, and then nothing. And so the footage in the documentary kind of traces this quest all the way, meeting with Vatican priests and trying to get to the Pope to get answers um, because time's running out. Time's running out. You know, a lot of them are in their 40s, 50s, 60s. If their mom or dad or other family are still alive, if uh, they're, it's not like they have forever to try to reunite. And the one thing in their way at this point, as they say, they don't want compensation. They're giving up even the idea of prosecution because we've just talked just how Spain says truth. no. They just want to Closure. meet and reunite and give uh-huh. a hug to their mom or dad or oh family once in their life before mm-hmm. it's too late. Yeah. And the one obstacle? Yeah. The Catholic Church. Wow. Vatican. So this documentary, you've already done The Stolen Babies of Spain. What are you looking, what is the main premise for this second documentary? Uh, The main premise is to go kind of big picture to small. So go from where there's lots and lots of cases and we learn a little bit about a lot of folks to we really zero in on this group of people. Okay. And we really especially get to know this one gentleman, Enrique Villa Torres, and his family. And what it's done to him over his entire wow. life. He, he was uh, a younger man when his dad died of cancer. And he was kind of getting, you know, the artifacts and the papers ready because the end was coming near. And he never, you know, questioned, questioned anything. And he came across documents and he, st- he went, wait a minute, that, that can't 
be me. That that's mm-hmm. that's right. his signature. Oh my goodness, and realized that he was adopted and it was fraudulent. And then he said, "The people I've been defending, I'm one of them. Well, you know, the victims I've yeah. been helping. I had mm-hmm. no idea. I'm one of them now. What? So we go. Wow. Yeah. So we go from that, that must to have been an amazing moment. Oh, for that he person. it shook him to his core. But he's tried to put that to now. You can't tell me use. that wasn't divine intervention oh, my right goodness. there yeah i then that's part of what we believe is that mm-hmm. you're being led to to tell this story yeah and to get the word out and mm. that's why whether it's the documentary the stolen babies of spain or the letters to the pope one man's quest for the truth which is this documentary or the book insatiable dragon hollywood i know that's why a, i brought you about in. yeah but it's about the same thing it's what about it? freedom of expression and the fear that for other, whether it's the church or in, with the book, whether it's China, that it's going to suppress it. And these kinds of things are not going to get told. And they're going to remain this dark secret because people don't want to get told because they don't want the consequences of it. We're speaking with filmmaker Greg Rabideau. He's the author of The Insatiable Dragon, How China Took Control of Hollywood, A Cautionary Tale. Of course, The Stolen Babies of, of Spain and another documentary. What's the name of that? Uh, Letters to the Pope, One Man's Quest for the Truth. Okay, and that'll be out. Well, my goodness, I tell you what, post-production is so crazy, um, You, but you hope and you pray and you do everything you can, but we're trying to shoot definitely for this spring, so we're hoping okay. somewhere in March, early April. All right. Now, let's talk about this book before we run out of time, Greg, and you're also, um, like I said, a professor over at CCU of Film. Tell us about what this book is and what do we need to know as consumers of Hollywood products? Oh, that's a great question. Well, it's, I'll tell you what, the the book came about in, initially because I have a real concern that as a filmmaker, there are more and more constraints both here mm-hmm. and with the Chinese relationship with Hollywood over the decades so that certain stories, a certain mm. way of telling stories is just now getting shoved to the side or suppressed before, you know, scripts, for example, are being essentially told that's going nowhere, not because it's not a good script, not because it's not exciting or could make a good film, but because China doesn't want it to be made. Mm. And so there's both what China doesn't want to see in films we don't see Mm. and what the kinds of films China uh, wants to add things to films gets added. Okay. We we saw a little bit of this when there was a movie about Kim Jong-un in North Korea and there was like a satire and then he like shut it down. I I just, yeah, no, no, absolutely. That, uh, uh, that kind of film, which they show, it's sort of a, this facade of, you know, fruit stands and marketplaces. And then they're like cardboard. Yeah. Well, China, unfortunately takes it to a much more sophisticated Mm -hmm. and uh, dangerous level. So they, they own 45% of finances of the films that get out in Hollywood a, they have bought and purchased studios. Wow. They have bought AMC theaters in the U.S. is owned by a Chinese company. So I, I feel this is what I think, and I'm I'm no film expert. I did study film once in oh, I'm a communications major, so we did go through film. Good for you. Um, I but, like it. I like to hear that. But um, but yeah, I never watch anything without a critical eye because of the communications field that I'm I'm in. But I feel like Hollywood lost its luster especially with all the sex scandals and everything. And of late, of course, the hashtag Me Too segment. But, but really, it was on the decline. And Hollywood was um, circling the drain, Nick, just to, to revisit. Um, and I feel like they sold their soul because they wanted to survive. Mm-hmm. And a lot of countries are doing this. 
right now. The Bahamas, and then you have Italy. Um, you, you have all these countries that have that sell their soul to China. Now, America is doing it because we're like, you know, capitalists. So there are individual organizations that are selling their souls to China, I feel. And like the the pork, the Smithfield um, farmers and solar companies, things like that. And I feel like we're piecemealing this and we're heading down that same path. And when you talk about a cautionary tale, we can look at the microcosm of Hollywood doing this. And what happens is that control that happens. And so it looks like they're all free spirited and everything. And then they go on to do these award shows, like praising each other. And meanwhile, they're all under the thumb of a a communist country. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you make excellent points. And I'll just add this. When Hollywood or whoever gets on sort of the soapbox and says, starts talking about human rights and starts talking about how terrible things are, Mm -hmm. then I would like them also to add why are you not talking about the 1.2 million Uyghurs that are imprisoned and tortured by China? Why are you not talking about the human rights violations of China? Folks like Penn, folks like Human Rights, mm-hmm. Amnesty International, they point to the number one human rights violator in the entire world, and it's China. Why do you not bring that up? Why do you not demand things change there before you will collaborate and do film projects there? Instead, right. we get things like Mission Impossible, folks, uh, taking off a sheet off of a laundry uh, clothesline in Mission Impossible in Shanghai because the Chinese say they don't want to offend and make it look like they use laundry outside. It's silly things like that. Or Maverick, the iconic fighter leather bomber jacket. Yeah. All of a sudden, the patch on Japan and Taiwan gets off of the leather jacket because China doesn't I want it. I remember that. It's yeah. there, we have so many examples of that. But sports industry yeah. is falling into this. NBA, well, NBA, I was just saying, NBA they, and LeBron James. LeBron he James. He calls out America and doesn't say a word about China. He calls out uh, Dale Morey of yeah. the Houston Rockets for simply saying something as innocuous as, you know, I'm for freedom. I'm for mm-hmm. democracy in Hong Kong. Apparently, you can't say that when so much is on the line in you know, streaming and revenue and games in the NBA. Um, we see that all the time. The uh, CEO of Intel Corporation comes out and apologizes to China, apologizes them to them because of some of, as he called it, the bad rhetoric about them. Uh, and it's, it's, as you say, capitalism, yeah. fine. But uh, at one point, when you sell your soul, you lose so much control. Because it's not about capitalism. It's about communism. That is the common thread of everything that you're talking about is communism. Greg, we are out of time for the whole entire show, not only our segment. We took it to the top. Greg Rabideau, R-A-B-I-D-O-U-X. Thank you so much. Insatiable Dragon is the name of the book. Available everywhere? Available everywhere. Amazon is great to go to get it. And Amazon Prime with the uh, documentary films. Thank you so much, Liz, for having me. Thank you, Greg. It was a pleasure. Our pleasure. pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Mara. We'll be back. Thanks for listening to The Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers. Glenn Beck is up next on Talk 94.5.